Hey, this is Kate Nagrai from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show, and today we have Mark Gwe with us. Mark is a transformational leadership coach, speaker, and facilitator. Mark supports powerful leaders through times of growth and change. His talks and courses have reached over a million people worldwide. His previous executive clients include General Electric, Slack, Amazon, and JP Morgan. With many such accomplishments and accolades, let's welcome our today's guest, Mark Gwe. Mark, welcome to the show. Karen, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm so delighted that you accepted the offer and are on the show today. Let's begin with your journey, Mark. It's about yourself. What got you started in coaching? Yeah, great question. My coaching journey is quite a long story, and I'll sum it up. Feel free to ask any other questions, of course, if you want to poke and prod through it. I first started actually as a coach, as a USA triathlon coach, and triathlon and you bike for a certain length of time. Ironman is typically the what people think of when they think of a triathlon. And mm-hmm. so I worked as a USA triathlon coach. I worked and competed as a USA triathlon coach out of New York City. And we were a highly competitive team. And this was in my early 20s, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I got to coach these incredible athletes who also were key players in the business world. These were executives of major companies, owners of Fortune 100 companies. And I got to really see what their lives are like and how they approach life. And I learned a lot through that time. But what I also learned is that a lot of them, they were chasing something that wasn't necessarily leading to a source of happiness. And I got curious about the bigger questions about the purpose of life. What is one's purpose? How does one really lean into Uh, a career that is in alignment for them. And so from there, I started working more as a life coach with the same type of people. Got it. Got it. And now that you have worked with so many people and transformed so many lives, can you please put it on any, any like highlights, any person in particular or any incident in particular that is on the top of the mind right now? Yeah, absolutely. I can't name names because of confidentiality. But what I will say is, I love working with men in particular that are in high power positions that are feeling challenged to navigate deep personal growth without losing their SHIT, without losing their stuff. And so they have a lot to balance. They want to show up to their families with love. They want to show up to their to their children with love and attention. And they want to show up to their employees in a way where they're really being a mentor type leader, a really powerful leader for their company, but they're feeling really challenged with the deep growth that they're the deep inner work that they need to grow through. And so I find it to be so incredible when I get invited into some of these really large companies. You mentioned a few of them earlier. And I get to work with the senior leaders at these companies. And I work with them on a deep one-to-one level. I also work with them on a group level. And what I see them go through and, and share, and they grow as a leader in a way where they come home to their families happy and fulfilled, and they're able to grow their business. They're able to be present for their families without compromise either way. Wow. And is there any particular framework that you take people through? Is there any tools? Are there any tools or strategies that you tend to use to to help? Yeah, there's quite a few. I would say the main one that I tend to use is something called integral theory. And it's using something called subject-object theory, which is helping one become the, see the situation that they're going through from an objective experience and be able to unblend from the subjective experience. And in doing that and taking them through a coaching journey, they're able to take a look at 
they're able to see the forest from the trees. And so they're able to actually take a look at what are the small steps that they need to do to be able to make the change that they need in their life. Got it. Got it. And my next question to you is along the lines of the time frame. So is there any particular time frame people work with you for or uh, what? Great question. So the minimum that I, I allow people to work with me is three months. Uh, and then typically, though, people work with me for six or 10 months at a time. And if we continue to work after that, we take a one month break because as a coach, my background, my formal education is in pedagogy, is in adult education. It's in developmental psychology, in other words. And so what I want to make sure that I avoid is what's called learned helplessness. And there's a lot of coaches out there that do a really good job of motivating their clients. But what ends up happening is their clients become reliant on the coach, which, yes, can be good for business, but it's not necessarily the most effective coaching method. And so I want to make sure that whenever I work with someone that we take at least a month off after working together for six or 10 months. And then if we want to come back, we can. But that way they are able to properly integrate what it is that we've uncovered in the coaching journey together in a way we're able to, they're able to have 100% autonomy. Understood, understood, Mas. And uh, now that I know about the, the time frame, I would want to know about the misconceptions that you feel your clients or anyone in particular may have about the coaching industry. Ooh, that's a big question. So what are the misconceptions about the coaching industry? Jeez, help me focus that down a little bit, but can you be a little bit more specific? So most of the time we have gotten answers on this podcast about that mentoring is different from coaching, consulting is different from coaching, right? So oh, right, what right. Coaching is not, well, what coaching is? Please tell us. Yeah, great question. What I would say, and this is the reason I don't do one-off sessions here and there, mm -hmm. is... Let me frame it this way. So I work and I train with a lot of therapists. So I have a lot of therapeutic tools that I use in my coaching practice. And one of them being internal family systems, one of them being psychedelic integration. And something that I often see is in the therapy model, you're meeting with someone typically, you don't know how long. The client just comes to you whenever they need support. And that is really beautiful on a therapeutic level. But on a coaching level, the way I've come to understand coaching is you're helping them grow through a journey. So you're taking them from A to B. And the rule number one, whenever I'm designing a coaching program with a client, is we have to have a very clear, specific focus about what is it that you want to focus on during this coaching, during this time coaching together. And everything that we talk about, that we focus on in the coaching sessions between beginning and the end, focuses on that coaching session. So to be a little bit more specific, what I mean is, is I, in my job as a coach, I get very clear about what are the very small developmental objectives that this client needs to obtain to be able to step into the change that they seek to make. An example of that is I work with a lot of senior leaders who really want to gain more what's called executive presence. What that basically means is they want to show up in the boardroom. They want to show up at their team meetings. They want to show up in these high pressure situations where they not only come across as confident, but they articulate views that maybe are a little bit challenging. They challenge the paradigm of the company. They ask daring questions. They have a, a grounded depth about them where they're really showing up in their power as an executive, as opposed to showing up in a room, being the last or, or waiting to, to speak or 
asking a question only after you hear someone else say something so that you understand what is the quote right thing to say. And a lot of the men I work with, they've, they have something that we colloquially call Mr. Nice Guy Syndrome. So how do you actually step into candor? How do you step into this type of direct executive presence? And if I'm working with someone in that particular focus, what we'll take a look at is what are the specific capabilities that one needs to be able to possess to step into the developmental objectives that we've identified are needed with this focus. For executive presence, one needs to be able to express candor in real time without equivocating. And so that would be something that we focus on and the client would actually set commitments that he or she would want to do between the sessions and we would talk about how it went and we would do any sort of inner work that needs to be done to help clear so that person could step into that radical candor, for instance, which is something that they struggle with. And so the reason to go back to your question, that is a coaching journey. Sure, I can work with someone one time and we could create some awareness and probably help unlock something for the client. Research shows that it usually takes at minimum three months for a client to actually gain simple awareness about what are the behaviors and the habits and the mindset that one has that are actually holding them back. And three months is, is just, just the starting place to be able to gain awareness to it. It takes six months for actual habits to really shift under high pressure situations. So for that leader who wants to step into executive presence uh, in the boardroom, the first three months is simply just getting aware of what's going on in a way where you start equivocating. Why, why do you feel uncomfortable saying something that challenges the paradigm in the room? And usually it just takes three months to gain awareness of that. And then the next three months is taking a look at stepping into the behaviors. And after six months of working together, it's beautiful because the client starts actually demonstrating a changed behavior. And as I'm sure your podcast listeners know, that is the beauty of coaching. And as a coach, that's why I choose to be a coach instead of becoming a therapist is because I want to see and I want to hear from my clients and witness them step into the change that they seek to make. Because then I, as a coach, also know that the program that I've created is actually working. As a coach, one of the worst things is creating something that you really believe in, but you don't really know if it's working. And there's a lot of that going on in the coaching industry is it's a lot of really good, sexy marketing, but does it actually create change within the client? Most of the time, no. And I, as a coach, want to know what is actually working. I want people to come to me five years, 10 years later after us working together. And I want them to tell me stories specifically about the change that they stepped into during the work that we uh, experienced together. Got it. Got it. Mark, my next question to you along the lines of the goal setting that you mentioned. So let's suppose there is a client with a certain goal, again, moving from point A to point B. So how do you... What are some messages that you suggest or what are some questions that you ask to get them clear about the goal and help them achieve that goal that they have for themselves? Yeah, so the if I deconstruct your question, Karen, it's an interesting question, right? Because the assumption that I'm hearing there is that a traditional performance goal is the objective with coaching. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes it is increasing the revenue of a company. When I was a triathlon coach, it was, okay, you ran a 45-minute 6K, Okay, now we're going to go and we're going to run a 40-minute 6K. That could be the goal that you're working with. Those are very performance-based metrics. And those are really good. But a lot of times there's other goals that are actually just as important. And they are more of the 
along the somatic line about being able to sense and to feel into what's actually going on the inside when you find yourself getting stuck. So let me give you an example. So let's use this leader who wants to step into more executive presence. But for whatever reason, this leader, every time he's in a board meeting, he clams up and he just says the right thing. He doesn't necessarily speak his truth. He's afraid to challenge the room. And so what we take a look at is what's going on the inside. And I typically use a methodology called internal family systems. Are you aware of what that is, Karen? No, not very much. So internal family systems is also called parts work. It's extremely powerful in a coaching model. And what we take a look at is what's going on the inside. What parts of you are showing up preventing you from, let's say, saying something that questions what everyone else is saying in the room, that, that goes against groupthink, that challenges the group paradigm, that asks a daring question, that shares candid feedback. What is going on the inside there? And typically what happens is a part shows up within that executive. And that part, what we'll call here, is typically a protector or a loyal soldier. And what's happening on, the, on a deep psyche level is that this part is showing up because it's afraid that something is going to happen. And typically, in this particular situation I'm talking about here with executive presence, is that typically this protector, this loyal soldier, is showing up because it is afraid that if this executive were to challenge the room, something catastrophic would happen. And that catastrophic thing could be getting kicked out of the group, which is a psycho-spiritual death in a way. That catastrophic thing, it could be getting fired from the company, which means that this person is no longer able to provide financially for their family. So these parts typically show up and they have a legitimate intention to try to help the client. Yet the thing is, and this is based on internal family systems again, is that part, what I call a loyal soldier, a protector, is it still thinks that you're a certain age that is much younger than what your current chronological age is, because at a certain time you needed that. And typically it goes back all the way to teenage years or the developmental years where let's use this one client as an example. Again, when he was younger, if he did actually speak up at the dinner table, he was not only laughed at or scoffed at by his father. What ended up happening is he needed to be able to learn what is the right thing to say in this room so that I'm accepted by my father and I'm accepted in this room and I'm not kicked out of the family circle. And the connection there is that part was still showing up in the same way in this board meeting because it thought that my client was the same age and that's very normal. And so what you have to do is you go through a very powerful process and I could tell you what the process is specifically, but you go through a series of questions, you get to intimately understand this protector, this loyal soldier in a way where then eventually what was once holding you back, this loyal soldier becomes your greatest cheerleader. And so no longer does this loyal soldier, this protector, show up in a way where it stops you from speaking up in board meetings or being more candid? Eventually, once it learns to trust your system again, it actually pr promotes you and, again, becomes a cheerleader for you to actually step into that candor and to step into that directness. So there's an amazing internal shift that happens. And typically, that is what I find to be the most powerful framework, particularly for executives. Wow. Mark, you know a lot of things and to know more about you, what are some of the ways my audience should know about? Is it your website we should know about? Is it your email? How do they get in contact with Mark? 
Yeah, great question. So you're welcome to check out my, my website, of course. Uh, I do need to get better at social media, so thank you for that push. Uh, I run a lot of in-person groups. I run a lot of online groups as well, and that's typically where people learn about my work. Uh, I'm also on Insight Timer, which is where a lot of people learn more about my deeper meditations. So your website is? It's my full name. It's Mark W. Gway, G-U-A-Y dot me. So do reach out, guys. And that leads me to my final question for the day. Mark, tell us about what to do after listening to this conversation. What are the action steps? Yeah, what I would say is a lot of your, you said earlier that a lot of your listeners are entrepreneurs, whether they're just starting the journey or they're in it. I would say, take a look at inside. Take a look at for the goals that you want to set, whether it's to 10x your business or it's to reach a certain you know, client or it's to, like for me, I want to see systems change on a global level. I want leaders to be able to show up to these big companies understanding what's really going on the inside so that they can show up with more compassion and they can still hold their client, hold their employees rather to an incredible high standard in a way that is in alignment with their mind, body, and soul. And so that way, everyone's able to come home happy, healthy, and fulfilled. And that is just such you know, an incredibly powerful process. So what I would say for anyone who is listening is take a look inside. For the thing that scares you the most, for the dragon that you're afraid to enter into the cave and meet, what exactly is going on in the inside? What does this part of you want you to know about itself? What does it fear would happen if you actually started to do that thing, if you started that business or you reached out to that client or you really set that audacious business goal? What does it fear would happen? And then with love and compassion, just like a father would with a child, have a conversation Take that part of you on a journey, go for a walk together, really intimately get to understand what it fears might happen, and then introduce yourself as an adult and let that part of you, what are you going to do if that fear starts to happen? If you fear that, oh, I'm going to get laughed at, okay, what are the skills that you've developed as, a, as an adult to be able to grow through that? Yeah, you might get laughed at. In fact, very likely, if you do something of meaning, you're going to receive great criticism in the world. So if you do receive great criticism in the world, how are you going to be able to, in a way, show up for yourself in a way that helps you continue to grow, continue to be loving to yourself, continue to really nurture your growth? And then once you have a conversation with that part, once that part begins to trust you a little bit more, once you've shared all the things that you're going to be able to do, the people that you're going to be able to have in your corner to truly support you then that just becomes a transformative experience. And if every entrepreneur does their own inner work, particularly men, they do their inner work, they're able to show up and they're able to create a business that is far more powerful than simply performance metrics. Totally, totally. I agree with you on that. And that is something I'm going to incorporate in my journey as an entrepreneur as well. Thank you so much for enlightening me. And hopefully you have enlightened a lot of others as well, the people that are listening to this conversation. Thank you so much, Mark. For such a great conversation, it was a pleasure and an honor to host you today. Thank you, Karen. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you again. I am your host, Kiran Agrar, signing off with the D. You guys take care. Bye, guys. <laughs>